The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of The Yard. And uh, for many people, it's the uh, the end of football season. The season ended for me round one of the playoffs when the Steelers got beat. But I, I still keep up. I'm just not so incredibly engaged. I know for many of you, when the Cowboys lost and Dak had a bad game, uh, season ended too. But uh, we got Super Bowl Sunday coming up pretty soon. Let's take a quick, quick, quick look at the weekend that was in the National Football League. The Baltimore Ravens, a one seed in the AFC, 34 to 10 winners over the Texans. I think Texans actually overachieved this year. You've got to feel good about the direction of things with Stroud. But uh, yeah, the Ravens now in the AFC Championship game. They're going to face the Kansas City Chiefs, who took care of the Bills. And, and what a wild playoff run it's been for Kansas City so far. I know you all have probably kept up with it. You're probably excited about all that stuff uh, because Chris Jones, of course, Willie Gay, those guys are recipients of Super Bowl rings. And, uh, man, what a great job by Chris yesterday. I don't know if you watched the game. It was not a, uh, a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination for, uh, you know, of offensive execution. But uh, look at numbers here. Real quickly, uh, Chris Jones just kind of—he he only has uh, three total tackles, but goodness gracious, so much pressure on the quarterback. Willie Gay also had uh, three tackles, a tackle for loss, but uh, those Bulldogs still playing, and so that's the rooting interest for me. So Ravens and the Chiefs, just like everybody expected. The 49ers take care of the Packers. Of course, uh, Elton Jenkins, Preston Smith eliminated from the playoffs. You hate to see that. I know the Niners are a team that's been kind of the sexy team for a while. It's interesting we have a little internal conflict with the Jeans Page staff. Rion, a Niners fan. Justin Frommer, an unabashed Detroit Lions fan. Of course, uh, Frommer from in the uh, great state of Michigan. So those two teams will square off. As you know, again, Niners, 24-21 winners. A 10-point fourth quarter for the Niners. It really felt like Packers were in pretty good shape here. In the fourth quarter, the Niners closed them out. Packers went 9-8 and this year. Wasn't a great year. Of course, big win over the, uh, the Cowboys. And then the Buccaneers lose to the Lions, 31-23. Already seeing people uh, wanting to make a coaching change there in Tampa Bay. But uh, nevertheless, 31-23 for the Lions. They're now 12-5. And And they'll be taking on uh, the Niners. So fun, 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 fun in the National Football League. So both games we played on Sunday. You won't get your, your two weekend days to just kind of sit and vegetate. 
in front of the TV and watch the NFL. You can watch some college basketball. We're going to talk about that shortly. But uh, here's how the game is going to be played. The early game is uh, the AFC Championship game. That's going to be at 2 p.m., 2 p.m. this Sunday. Baltimore opens as a three-point favorite in the game. I'm pulling for the Chiefs. I'm a Steelers fan. I can never pull for the Rats. Just can't do it. That game's going to be on CBS. It's also the parent company, 247 Sports, where uh, jeanspage.com is an affiliate. The Detroit Lions will be at the Niners. San Francisco opens up as a seven-point favorite. That's going to be a 5.30 p.m. kickoff on Fox. See what Brock Purdy and those guys can do. But uh, saw a note earlier that Niners hadn't been to a Super Bowl since uh, Steve Young and Jerry Rice. It's been forever and a day. And the Detroit Lions, of course, uh, one of the most anemic traditions in the history of the National Football League. So they're kind of a Cinderella story and uh, putting together a good season for sure. So that's your NFL uh, capsule as we get ready for that. So, again, this time next week we'll know who's going to be in the Super Bowl. I don't know if you're planning a party or not, if you're planning on inviting me. I don't like the Pico de Gallo in the nachos, just to kind of let you know ahead of time. You never know. I may just show up. Might just come crash your party and blow up your set. I don't know if I can just fit into the room, though. I think you'd be glad to have me. I don't eat a whole lot. I don't drink, so you got to, you know, you don't have to go out and get some extra Budweiser or anything like that. Or uh, What are you guys drinking these days? Modelo. I think that's the most popular beer in America, Modelo. You don't have to go out and get that for me. Just give me a couple Diet Cokes. We'll call it a day. But I enjoy the Super Bowl every year, no matter what the rooting interest is, whether I have a team. It's actually better. You want to see your team win the Super Bowl. But sometimes you can enjoy the party a little bit more when you don't have an emotional investment in the outcome of the game. So for those of you whose teams are still playing, best of luck to you. There can only be one winner. But to make it thus far... It's very exciting. It is. And that, that's the thing, too. I look at all this stuff. You know, the Ravens have had some success. Kansas City has kind of been, you know, under Andy Reid, has been, you know, one of the more dominant teams since New England kind of fell from glory. I don't know. I like parody in football. I like parody in everything. I don't like dynasties, unless it's our team. Love to have a Mississippi State dynasty in anything. But you know what I'm saying. I mean, like, let's be honest. If Detroit wins, it's good for the game. If Frisco wins, and it's been 30 years since they even appeared in the Super Bowl, it's good for the game. It is. Baltimore winning is not good for the game. It's rivalries. They run deep with me. Uh, but anyway, let's get excited about that. It's postseason football is always a lot of fun. It is. It's where legends are made. Speaking of legendary... Bulldog Burger Company, a legendary venue for a night out with family or friends. I don't know what the occasion is, but, you know, you can be comfortable at Bulldog Burger Company. It's not a white tablecloth restaurant. I mean, if you want to wear your sports jacket, you can. But if you want to loosen that tie, maybe just go in there and have a good, a good evening, have a, a cold beer, an adult beverage at Bulldog Burger Company. You can do that, too. I don't know. You can wear your pajamas in there for all I care. Making a difference to me. I think you're never going to feel out of place at Bulldog Burger Company. It's a very welcoming place. 
Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go in and have those spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. It's true. Make the world a more beautiful place. And get that great restaurant quality hamburger. If you've never been, I'm going to always recommend you get the Bulldog. Start there. And then we'll begin to kind of branch out and get a little more adventurous. That Freshman 15, I think, was my second burger. Still love that one up there. I do. I like the Mission a lot, too, but I get the Pico de Gallo on the side. The Good Morning Burger, one of my early favorites as well. The Bryant, Outstanding. The Lauren. The Mississippi Barbecue Burger. That's a thing. There's so much variety there. You can't go wrong. And Maybe you're not feeling a burger. Maybe the kids are. So you know what, Steve? I'm going to go in there and have a Sloppy Joe Sliders. I'm going to have the BLT salad. You may like it fried. I like it grilled. Which is kind of a, you know, anti-601, right? I mean, everything in the 601 area code, uh, you know, is fried. Everything. We, we fry everything. Even ice cream. But at Bulldog Burger Company, you can get the grilled BLT salad. You'll be glad you did. The portion so incredibly substantial. So many people out there, after COVID, they charged you more and gave you less. Not Bulldog Burger Company. Nope. Nope. The same quality of service, food atmosphere you can always expect the place you've grown to love it only gets better and better absolutely for sure bulldog burger company the place where people go to meet m-e-a-t all right mississippi state men's basketball we um we picked up when we expected to not maybe not with the style points we hoped right let's just be honest about that uh it's okay to win and still be a little bit concerned I was on Boban's show earlier today. It's one of the things that um, I think is rather interesting. You know, it's okay for us to be critical. There's a difference between being critical and being negative. There, you know, we get some people, and it's not just Jermaine that are Mississippi State fan base. It's not. You know, we got some people that always forecast failure. Doesn't matter the sport. Doesn't matter circumstances. Again, I go back to uh, 2014. We were number one in the country. We were undefeated. And we were still griping and complaining. It's like we're always just waiting for the other shoe to fall. I remember, I remember just yesterday, like, like it happened just yesterday. There's like, oh, our secondary. I'm thinking, well, it's happened, guys. It's it's now official. We're undefeated, number one in the country in football, and still finding something to complain about. Enjoy the ride, brothers and sisters. Enjoy the ride. Now, I still have high expectations for this Mississippi State men's basketball team. You know, wins a win. We went by 13. Would have liked to have seen a little more rhythm and flow on offense. But this game was never really in question. I mean, right, you look up and it's 13-12 and you're like, oh, I mean, come on. It's just like Novocaine. You just keep waiting for Tolu to take over. And that's what happened. At the half, it's 36-21, Mississippi State. And it really, again, it felt like at no point in that second half that it felt like Vanderbilt was going to make a run substantial enough to make a difference. 9,172 fans showed up, and you all to be commended. You know, after we had the sellout crowd for Alabama, and then we didn't win, there was a lot of people that were ready to jump off the bandwagon, but not you. Matter of fact, I saw a ton of people looking to buy tickets on Friday and Saturday to go to the game. Big news, man. It is. And th- thank you all for getting out and supporting our team. Again, paid attendance or actual attendance, scanned attendance, 9,172. Now, of course, we we reduced the seating capacity there, and it's so funny, too. I, I read, we even complained about that. 
so we didn't have anybody going to games for a while, and it looked bad on TV, right? We'd have people that buy season tickets, and maybe they couldn't make it for a midweek game. Maybe they just got disenfranchised with the team, and they wouldn't come, and it looked bad in the lower bowl area that we, we could have the rafters packed, and then nobody in the lower bowl area looked bad on TV. So we complained about that. And now all of a sudden it's like, hey, nobody's going to the games. Well, now people are going to the games. Well, hey, well, why do we re- reduce capacity? Take a breath, okay? We reduce capacity because it's it's pretty rare for us to be able to announce a sellout crowd. And so we've reduced seating, added some amenities, and back-to-back Saturdays you've had a sellout crowd at Humphrey Coliseum. Used to be 10,000 or so. Now it's... Uh, 9,200 or so. I think 9,100 is the official. And there's some like some walk-around tickets. I don't know how that all works. But uh, thanks to everybody that turned out. And for everybody that wanted tickets, I would adv- advise you to um, plan ahead a little bit better this time. Because we're, we're about to roll off some wins, okay? Uh, let's run through the numbers from Saturday. Vanderbilt falls to 5-13, and 0-5 and in the Southeastern Conference. Yes, we should have beaten them. But in this league, a win is a win is a win. They all count the same in the standings. They don't count the same in the net. But we had to win the game we did. Uh, Vanderbilt wins the second half 34-32. And, again, the game was over at that point. State, you know, 68-55 winners. Uh, Tyron Lawrence, he has 16 points for Vanderbilt. Evan Taylor and uh, Vin Allen Lubin with 11 apiece. Uh, Stackhouse played a lot of guys here. A lot of minutes. Uh, Malik Presley, 14 minutes for them, did not score. Attempted just one field goal. Uh, 20 of 53 from the floor for 37.7% for the Commodores. They shot much better in the second half. Of course, the game was decided by then. In the first half, they're held to 25.93% shooting. They shoot 50% in the second half. 3 of 14 from beyond the arc in the first half. 2 of 8 in the second. So 5 and 22 for the game. We could probably live with that. Uh, 10 of 18 from the free throw line, but, um, you know, didn't get to the line a whole lot, but 18 times is more than uh, you're probably happy with. 18 points in the pay for Vanderbilt, uh, 10 off turnovers, 6 in the second half, 6 second chance points, 8 fast breaks, 7 off the bench. Game was tied 3 times, lead changed hands 5 times, all that in the early going. Tolu Smith, 30 minutes of action, 25 points, 11 rebounds, when he plays that well and gets that many opportunities, we're going to win. 9 of 12 from the floor, 7 of 13 from the free throw line. Would like to see a little more consistency there, but uh, you can't pick apart a performance of 25 points. Had one turnover, one assist. Did not commit a personal foul. And that's not to say that he didn't play a physical brand of basketball. He did. He just defended without fouling. Uh, D.J. Jeffries, 31 minutes, 6 rebounds, 10 points. Listen, I'll take that stat line from D.J. most games. When he's in double figures, we typically win. Uh, Shaquille Moore, 26 minutes of action, 1 of 7 from the floor. I don't know what's going on with Shaq. we got to get him going. Uh, 4 of 4 from the free throw line, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, pair of turnovers, just 6 points. we got to get more from Shaq on the offensive end. Cam Matthews, 33 minutes, 2 of 3 from the floor. Uh, Pull down six rebounds, four points. We'd like to see more from Cam on the offensive end. I know he does a lot of the uh, the old, uh, you know, Ryan Walter stuff, Russell Walter stuff. You know, he he's willing to set the big screen, get out there and compete on the boards, uh, stay out of foul trouble, 
most of the game, but you know Cam's going to be a guy down the stretch. So always going to have four fouls. And and what's it happens? It always seems that he gets a bad call in the first half, right before the half. And listen, I'm biased, and I'm a Cam Matthews guy. But it's like when you see it, it always seems to be there's always one or two fouls in that first half. It's almost like he has a reputation. It's like, well, you know this guy's going to be a dog and defender. At some point, he's going to touch him. It's like, I just feel like that there is something to that. Deshaun Davis, 15 minutes of action. Three personal fouls. Did not score. Attempted two three-point shots. Didn't make either. Got to have more of a contribution there. Josh Hubbard, 27 minutes off the bench. 11 points. Two of five from beyond the arc. One of three from the free throw line. We expect him to be automatic. And against State's free throw, free throw shooting woes continue. 12 of 22. And that's going to be the game down the stretch. When you get into the month of February, March, you've got to be able to make your free throws. Because people are going to realize, you know what, these guys aren't going to convert. We'll put them on the line, lay ball game. They'll, they'll miss the shots, as we saw against Alabama, as uh, three seniors missed uh, two apiece down the stretch. Bulldogs shoot 43.33% in the first half, 42.86 in the second. And you know what? That averages out to be 43.1%. You're going to win a lot of games shooting 43% or better. Perimeter shooting, still a bit of a mystery for us, 6 of 21. We've gotten better. But as of late, and of course the quality of competition has improved, you're not getting those wide-open looks that you were in non-conference. Uh, but a win's a win. And uh, we need everyone we can get. Got to stack as many wins together as we can. Now, next up for the Bulldogs, who are now 13-5, and five, and 7-2 and two in Humphrey Coliseum, 6-0 and oh on a neutral floor. But in, in true away games, your Bulldogs are 0-3. Got to get that turned around. You know, you lose at Georgia Tech, not good. Not good. Uh, you lose South Carolina, you lose Kentucky. That's your three losses uh, from the road. And uh, next up, Wednesday, and we'll talk about this game more on Wednesday show, we're headed down to Gainesville to take on the Florida Gators. So a, a fourth opportunity for us to win a road game, and we certainly need it because you know who's coming to town on Saturday. Auburn, who is uh, playing exceptional basketball. So that's your schedule this week. Gators on Wednesday, Auburn Tigers on Saturday. Need a hostile environment. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot, shine, and a drink. 
and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Humphrey Coliseum on Saturday. And for those of you Bulldogs out there in the greater Florida area, if you're around Gainesville, Guys, that's going to be a 7.30 tip. going to be a little bit later, so you can get off work and make that little drive down there. We need as many uh, Bulldogs in the Sunshine State that can make that trip to make it. If we're going to make something of this season, and I still am optimistic that we will, we need to win this game. We do. And, again, we'll preview that more on, on Wednesday. But uh, a big week for the Bulldogs. We gotta, you got to start beating your contemporaries here. And this Auburn team doesn't appear to be slowing down. And that's the thing you start thinking, you know, this stretch right here, this could be a defining stretch in your season. These next four games. We talked about the first four, needed to get a split. We didn't do it. Guys, the next four ball games, three of those four are going to come on the road in true SEC road environments. At Florida, we're back home. The, the, the one home game we get is maybe one of the hottest teams in the country in Auburn. Then you go to Oxford. Then you go to Tuscaloosa. So you start breaking this thing down here, and you feel like, hey, you know, we, we traditionally don't play exceptionally well at Alabama. You got Auburn coming in. This four-game stretch right here, you look at it and you say, okay, well, maybe we can get a split. Well, guys, if we're going to continue to do that, if we're going to continue to hope to get a split, you got to start getting a split. You got to pick up some wins somewhere. You can't, be, you can't be looking around at the end of this thing saying, well, you know, maybe we can make a run in, in the SEC tournament. You got to win games when they matter, and they matter now. They absolutely do. And uh, you know, quick look at the uh, SEC men's basketball standings, just to kind of keep you apprised of where everybody is. And things change. You know, you're only five games into this deal, but uh, you know, things are always changing because you never know who's going to get hot. Hopefully, it's us, right? We'd love to get hot. I'm concerned, not overly concerned, but I'm concerned. I'm concerned. Uh, Auburn now 5-0 in the conference. They've won 11 games in a row, 16-2 overall. 
their two losses have come away from the Auburn campus. Uh, Kentucky 4-1 in the league, Tennessee 4-1, Alabama now 4-1. They finally dropped one over the weekend. Uh, South Carolina 3-2, Georgia 3-2, LSU 3-2, Ole Miss now 2-3, tied with Mississippi State, Florida 2-3, A&M 2-3, Arkansas 1-4, Missouri 0-5, Vandy 0-5. So you look at what's in front of you in these next four games, and you realize there's a couple of those that are winnable. The Florida game is winnable, I believe. And then the road game at Ole Miss, I think, is winnable. Going to Coleman's never fun. But we're going to have our hands full on Saturday. So, again, you take it one game at a time. But uh, it's always one of those deals where you look back and it's like, you know what, hey, oh, we got plenty of time. We don't. We don't have plenty of time. And remember, this is the team last year where we won in seven and then got hot late. I suspect that you're going to see Christians as guys get healthy. And I have no clue what's going on with Taylor. We get asked that all the time. And uh, he was the guy we expected to really help us a great deal in the perimeter shooting. It's true. It's true. I look at the weekend that was. South Carolina beats Arkansas at home. Just when you think, okay, Arkansas's got it figured out. No, no, no. Uh, Tennessee takes care of Alabama, 91-71. Again, I think we can play with Alabama a little bit. I just hate going over there. Uh, A&M goes into Baton Rouge, you win 73-69. Still a very competitive game. Kentucky gets Georgia 105-96. I bet that was a fun one to watch. I didn't watch it. But 200 points scored. Not not a lot of defense played. Uh, Florida goes into Missouri and wins 79-67. Again, Florida on a great team this year. And then Auburn, 82-59 over winners over Ole Miss. Did you see this whole thing at the end end of regulation with Auburn? Did you you see it? Ole Miss gets loose on basically a snowbird, right? They're out there, and uh, the kid from Auburn just wouldn't quit. They go up and block it. The next guy gets the rebound. Auburn blocks that shot again. And then there's another offensive rebound for Ole Miss. It gets blocked. So Auburn ends the game on three consecutive block shots in like a final little scramble sequence there. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, – you know, Ole Miss kind of coming back down to earth. We figured they would. They're still a good basketball team. Don't get me wrong. But uh, SEC play, you're playing against some other athletic teams with uh, with great coaching staff that um, can put some things together for you. And, uh, again, the you know, the, the bloom is kind of off the rose a little bit in Oxford. But uh, we can ill afford to go in there and just think, yeah, we can just go in here and go through the motions. That team's very talented. Kind of looking ahead to the midweek here is um, – Things move quickly, right? Things move quickly, especially when you get into basketball and baseball season. You know, in football, that whole week when we get into season, especially when we're winning, it just takes an eternity to get here. That's the thing about basketball and baseball is we play so frequently, it's pretty easy to kind of flush things out. Now, Tuesday's schedule, uh, Kentucky is in South Carolina. I like Kentucky big there. I, I don't think South Carolina has the horses. Missouri is in at A&M. You'd like to think A&M could protect the home court there. And, again, that was a team expected to finish second in the SEC this year. Not going well. Talented team. Things are going well. Uh, looking ahead to Wednesday, LSU's at Georgia, Auburn's at Alabama. That'll be a fun one, right? And Mississippi State's at Florida. We're going to be on the SEC network. Be sure and tune in for that if you can't make it in person. And then Arkansas is at Ole Miss. 
Exactly what Ole Miss needs, right? An Arkansas team kind of struggling a little bit on their home floor, right? So Ole Miss will have the pavilion. Uh, not exactly sure how many people turn out, but you know this Arkansas team and Musselman—they're not—they're not performing up to expectations. What's so interesting too about this Arkansas team? I think Bill Clinton spoiled them and Scotty Thurman, right? Corliss Williamson, Nolan Richardson, forty minutes of hell. It's like those were some great Arkansas teams. But it's like there's some people in Northwest Arkansas. They feel like, well, hey, we should be Kentucky. We should be, and they're not. And uh, it's not for lack of trying. You know, Arkansas absolutely cares. They invest a ton of money in some men's basketball, but they're not getting the return on the investment. You know, a couple of years ago, Arkansas was one of the better teams that we faced. They're great, but things are not going so well right now. So Arkansas people are a little bit. Um, a little upset. Many of them already looking forward to baseball season, and they should. Arkansas, again, in my pick to win the SEC this year in baseball. They should be really, really good. Uh, but now we're talking basketball. But, uh, yeah, that, that'll be an important game. If Arkansas takes down Ole Miss, Arkansas begins to feel good about life, and then all of a sudden the Ole Miss people are like, you know what, this is just not going to work. Let's get ready for baseball, which uh, I don't think is going to work either. Uh, but nevertheless, going to be an interesting stretch uh, for Mississippi State men's basketball. Again, we got to win games. I mean, we, we can't sit here and wait for the pack to, like, catch us. Like, we don't we don't want to catch the, the pack because the pack is beating each other up. we got to win games. We took care of that one on Saturday. Got to keep it going. And, again, this is a very, very winnable road game in Gainesville. We'll break it down on Wednesday. But I'm expecting to win that game. If this team is what I think they are, we should go in there and win that game. And I understand it's an SEC road game. I understand we haven't played well on the road. I get it. But if we're going to be who we think we are, you got to go win that game. You can ill afford to start losing those games behind you and to teams behind you in the standings and expect to catch the teams ahead of you in the standings. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't. Uh, but I got a lot of faith in Chris Jans, a lot of faith in his staff. And again, there's a lot of very interesting pieces here. You have the pieces. That's the thing you start thinking. What's going on with Murphy, right? It's like you had a roster. You felt good about it. Taylor unavailable. Murphy's been unavailable. Tolu was hurt. And so there's a measure of this you look at and you can offer some grace, right? But now that we're beginning to get people back, we got to get going. Got to get the rotation leveled out. Uh, figure out what we, what we want to do offensively. And at times it looks, not, it looks like we, don't, we aren't sure what we want to do. But we got to get that aspect of it handled. We got to get more flow offensively, uh, because when teams kind of cut Tolu out and Josh isn't hitting the ba- hitting the baskets from outside, it's going to be a long day for us. We can't just expect Tolu Smith to carry us. Now down the stretch, tie ball games. That's where I'm going. He's got to get better at the free throw line. But he's a guy that we, you and I both know. When he gets down there deep, deep in the post, it's almost impossible to stop him without fouling him. But uh, be sure and get your tickets in advance of this uh, Saturday's game against Auburn. It will be a hot ticket. There will be a lot of Auburn fans making the trip. There will be a lot of people asking for tickets. And what you're thinking is, well, I'll just wait on Friday. Or... No, no. I think the last two weekends have kind of proven our fans believe and they're coming out, and maybe it's because of the renovations in the hump. Maybe it's because of quality basketball are playing or all the above. But it's not going to be like it has been where I'll just show up on game day and go get a ticket. You know, it's, it's not like that. Again, we've reduced capacity, and there is greater interest in Mississippi State men's basketball. So if you're planning to go to see Mississippi State and Auburn play this weekend, 
you need to go ahead and, and do your best. You procure tickets now. Don't wait until Friday because chances are you're going to end up disappointed and having to watch the game at home. Not that it's always a bad thing, but we're going to need a very raucous environment. And Mississippi State students, I'm calling on you. You guys are amazing. But those of you that are going to be out there, I'm, we're going to, I'm going to need a March Madness quality effort from each and every one of you. Do your homework. Get on Instagram. Find out what you can. And uh, let's make this a very, very raucous environment and give the Bulldogs the best home court advantage that we possibly can. All right, time for today's top ten list. is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair. B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair Chandler is my friend, your friend, our friend in the mortgage industry. And you didn't, maybe you didn't know you needed one, but you do. Because things are always changing. Maybe you're going to be in a situation that, you know, down the road. So, you know what, Steve? We got into a 327 arm. And if you don't know what that is, Blair can tell you. It's an adjustable rate mortgage. You get into 327, it's like, okay, now all of a sudden that arm's going to start adjusting on me. Guys, I got to be able to uh, to get out of this and get maybe into a 30 or 20 year fixed. Well, Blair can help you with that. I don't know your needs, but whatever your needs are, Blair Chandler can take care of it for you. Visit him at close at Blair.com. Better yet, give him a call or text today directly to him, 601 500 2344. Again, 601 500 2344. Hit him up. Will you looking to buy a home, refinance a home? Again, I don't know your needs. But Blair is a guy that's got 23 years of experience. You're not going to shock him. He has seen it all and done it all and can be your advocate with underwriting. Be sure and uh, hit up Blair. Also, Bulldog has a place here in town. Season ticket holder, multiple sports. Great family. Love Blair. Love Blair. And you will too. Again, that's closeofblair.com. All right, we talked about it on Friday. I spent some time this weekend thinking about this. You know, we did that, you know, some of the greatest songs ever written. I decided to do an R&B list because I, I was like, you know what? There's so many of these songs that I don't want to miss great songs by trying to kind of push a list together. So I want to do R&B. Now, this is going to be really real R&B, right? I'm going to go back to Rhythm and Blues. A lot, of, you know, a lot of these things over the years have evolved. Uh, so you know, R&B became hip-hop and things like that. But uh, I, I want to go back a little bit and uh, to some of the songs that I grew up with, but also some songs from you know, the last couple of uh, decades that I really appreciate. Number 10, a song that I absolutely love. And many of you may have never heard it. Uh, if you're my, from my generation, you have. What you may not know is this song won a Grammy? And one of the songwriters on this was Steve Lukather from Toto, who also did some amazing things with uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller album. More on that later. But George Benson's Turn Your Love Around is a phenomenal song. I love the horns. That's one of those things about old R&B that, that I absolutely love. It's, you know, the horn section, right? It's amazing. Number nine, a more recent, I say recent, Dating myself. This song is old, but also won a Grammy, but it's still one that's very current. Every time you see these America Got Talent shows or American Idol, whatever there is, somebody always attempts to sing this in the auditions every year, and nobody's ever done it better than Alicia Keys, and we're we're talking Fallen. 
and it's a throwback. Like Alicia Keys is like an alien. And what I mean by that, I mean that in the most complimentary way. Number one, she's absolutely gorgeous. But number two, she is like a voice from a different time. And it's like all of a sudden she shows up here and you're like, wait a minute, this is unique. This is new. It's really not new. It's a throwback to like the legendary female R&B singers. I mean, there is just a grit in her voice and an authenticity in what she sings. I think it really sets her apart and uh, highly accomplished and, and writes very relatable songs. There's so much of that nowadays. A lot of people have this narcissistic quality that this kind of write, well, it makes sense to me. I'm going to do my art. Okay, great. You go do that. But if you look at the people that are exceptionally successful, it's the ones that write relatable songs that we all can identify with. There's a lot of bands out there that I think are really neat, but the songs don't really move me. You know, the tracks may be great, you know, but what, what keeps us in, right, is the resonation of emotion that is commonplace as part of the human experience. And I think that's what Alicia Keys does uh, as well or better than anybody. Number eight, a song actually written by Prince also won a Grammy. All three of these have won Grammys. Most of these songs have won Grammys. Most of these. Matter of fact, I think every one of these, yeah, nine of our ten won Grammys. Number eight, I had this on 45. Again, I'm dating myself. A song written by Prince. It's Shaka Khan's I Feel For You. Of course, Shaka Khan had a legendary career in her own right. That's probably the song that people both, she's best known for. And again, the horns, man. Love the horns. There's so much of that, man, in, in this music. I mean, it's America's music in many respects. But it's one of those things, too, you had the DJ's voice over it, you know. You had, you had some extra production value in this one. It wasn't just a typical song. There was just some things that were kind of innovative with the great song, I Feel For You, again, written by Prince. Number eight, excuse me, number seven. We've had a song on here many times. It wasn't written by Boyz II Men. I think it was like six or seven different songwriters. It did win a Grammy. It's part of the Boomerang soundtrack. Of course, you can get it on just about everywhere when it comes to, uh, to Boyz II Men. But it's the end of the road. We've all felt that. We've all had a relationship end. We all have these emotional reactions to events beyond our control. And, and we love the harmonies with Boys to Men. I understand they're a, they're a trio now rather than a quartet. But this is a group that uh, from the very beginning has just really been a band that uh, people identified with. Because again, they took what was once old and made it new. They took the old barbershop quartet and they made it danceable. The harmonies on the Boys to Men records, as you well know, are legendary. And this particular song, again, elicits so much emotion from listeners. You can sing the song in your head right now. You don't even, you know, you just know as well as I do. Great track. Number six, the, the one song that didn't win a Grammy on our list. And I think it's a shame. Guys, the Commodores were nominated for a Grammy 10 times. They won it once, and it was in 85 when Night Shift came out after Lionel Richie had left the band. Clyde was doing the vocals then. And Night Shift, an amazing song. I love it. One of my favorite songs of all time. It's there's these feelings of nostalgia, right? And I don't know if you know this, they actually re-recorded it after Michael Jackson died. 
Yeah, did a tribute to Michael Jackson. No matter how you feel about Michael, he's king of pop. But we're going to go with Lady from the Commodores, which, uh, depending on what day you ask me, is one of my favorite, if not the favorite, Commodore song for me. I love Lionel Richie's vocals. I have Lionel Richie, a greatest hit CD, rolling around in my car. I love all this stuff. But, uh, man, if you ever want to get into a band that's like, the real deal, it's not some homogenized studio creation, listen to the Commodores. They were great before Lionel Richie joined. They became legendary with Lionel Richie on the mic and still continued to perform you know, for, for sellout crowds uh, throughout the casino circuit for years and years and years. I don't know if they're still playing. But I remember being a kid. In 1982, the Christmas parade in Columbia, Mississippi, the Alcorn State Marching Band was there. And they played Lady. And I remember like it was yesterday. Because I loved the song. And then to hear a marching band play it in my hometown. I remember people walking along, like using their boom boxes to record the band play it. That's how good the, the rendition was. But Lionel Richie's the king, man. It, he truly is. No matter what you feel about him, you know, the, the plastic surgery or whatever, I, I don't get into any of that. I, I'm not going to judge people on how they live their lives. But I tell you, the way that Lionel Richie and the Commodores work together, and uh, you know, Lionel Richie was com- perfectly content to be the lead singer of the Commodores. And then Motown encouraged him to write a solo album because the Commodores, who had been playing forever and touring forever, wanted to take a hiatus. And so Lionel Richie recorded his first solo album, and here we go. Right? Outrageous. Number five. My friend Demi Brown says this is the greatest R&B album of all time. I, I don't agree. And I think one of the reasons that I don't is because of the controversy around the album. It has nothing to do with the talent. Nothing to do with the vocal performance. But there are some things about this record. There is too much about this. It's kind of like the whole controversy about Harper Lee not writing To Kill a Mockingbird. Do you know the story I'm talking about? Do you know this? So Harper Lee, of course, was uh, great friends with Truman Capote. And there are many people that think Truman Capote actually wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. That he was a ghostwriter of sorts. Harper Lee wrote one of the best books in the history of the United States and then never wrote another book. Now, as a person that has uh, made part of their living writing books, I can tell you, based on my experiences as a writer and also getting to know my contemporaries, I don't know anybody that just wrote a book. And said, okay, well, that's it. Especially one that had such national acclaim. And so my honest opinion is, I don't think she wrote the book. I think she may have been involved in the writing process. I don't think she wrote the book. Same thing here with Lauren Hill, the miseducation of Lauren Hill. I don't think she wrote these songs. And I'm perfectly okay with that. Most pop singers these days don't write their own music. And if they do... They have a small hand in it, right? But where's the follow-up? Lauren Hill is an amazing singer. Incredible. The work with the Fugees alone, in my estimation, makes her an icon. And then she finally gets free, and she has her own solo album, and then all this stuff happens. And these people come out and say, hey, there's lawsuits about all this stuff. And so... That understood. That all in the background. 
Your number five song is Doo-Wop, That Thing. I'm going to tell you, there, there has probably not been a cleaner vocal presentation in this generation than that song and that album. No matter who wrote it, but I think it's the whole thing about they tried to kind of suggest that she did it all. And it's okay if she didn't. Beyonce didn't write most of her own music. She writes some of it, not all of it. It's okay. I mean, you go down and look these days, um, you know, so-and-so wins a Grammy, and the song is written by like 11 people. It's part of the deal. But I've always found that kind of interesting. Kind of a nice correlate. You never didn't think you were going to hear Harper Lee and Lauren Hill in the same thing. You didn't think you didn't think that. All right, number four, three-time Granny Award winner Bill Weathers. And many of you know the songs. You don't always know who wrote them or who performed them, but Bill Weathers is an absolute legend. Of course, you know, Lean On Me was one. It was big. We went with Ain't No Sunshine. Great tune. And uh, our friends at Four Way Stop opened the show with that the other night. Summer Dave's. If you were there, and if you were there late, you would have seen uh, your good friend and host get up and sing with a band. How about that? You never know what I'm going to do. I love those guys in four-way stop. And I'll tell you this, too. I think there were a lot of people at the venue that had never heard four-way stop because the response was very, very, very positive. Not just because Ryan and those guys do a good job. I think people are like, you know, hey, I can get in this band. They're very, very talented. They do some classic rock stuff. They do some 90s rock stuff. And that's the thing that I saw people really respond to, the 90s rock stuff. It was a bunch of that stuff. Tons. Little Stone Temple Pilots. They even had some Green Day. I got up and went to the bathroom then. You know my policies. But uh, appreciate Ryan and those guys allowing me the opportunity to get up just for a little bit. Be a part of their show. And uh, I didn't go for that reason. I just kind of felt it. And um, here we go. You never know. Ryan and I may do some stuff down the road. When, when four-way stop is together and, I, and I'm there... You never know. You, you never know what may happen at a four-way stop show when Steve Robertson's in the audience. You don't know. You don't know. Just telling you. But I'll let you guys know next time they're around. And uh, if you get a chance to go, go check them out. But, uh, again, this is more about Bill Withers. But Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone. Again, one of those songs, man, it just kind of resonates with people in their hearts because we know. Over and over and over again, as Bill says. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know. Number three, we talked about him some last week. Uh, with superstitious. But you got to work Stevie Wonder into these lists. Man, you can't have a list about American R&B. And R&B really, again, is America's music. You can't work in a list of top ten performers and not have Stevie Wonder. Another Grammy Award winner for him, I think it was in 75. We're going to go with Living for the City from Stevie Wonder. Again, an incredible performer. Absolutely incredible. Number two, one of the most recognizable voices in American music, it's Otis Redding. And many of you don't know this, but Otis Redding wrote and recorded Respect first. Aretha Franklin covered it. A lot of people don't give Otis credit. All due respect to the Queen and no disrespect to Aretha Franklin. She absolutely killed her rendition of it, but it is a cover song. And there was a lot of that, you know, a lot of those... Went a lot of great music out there, so a lot of people covered each other. Aretha's version is better. 
But I wanted to give a shout out to Otis. But again, we talk about purity and vocal quality. Otis Redding, man, that's one of those guys for me. And I love the whistle on the song, but it's uh, sitting on the dock of the bay. Everybody knows it, man. It's one of those songs that it just is part of the fabric of America. And it, I would encourage you to get a little deeper in the Otis Redding catalog, too. Sitting on the dock of the bay, of course, a legendary track. But that, that vocal quality, the purity in that guy's voice is prevalent throughout the catalog. Number one, though, Steve Lukather worked on this album, too. Didn't play the solo on Beat It. Eddie Van Halen did. Pretty incredible. And they used the first take. And my, Eddie actually changed the composition of the song a little bit, too. But uh, we're going to go with Billie Jean. And when Billie Jean hit the airwaves, it set the world on fire. You, know, you already had, uh, you know, Off the Off the Wall album. And a lot of people knew Michael Jackson was something serious. People knew. But when Billie Jean hit it, you're like, oh, okay, this guy's back. It wasn't this Off the Wall thing. This wasn't a one-hit wonder type thing. And not that you'd expect that. You know, Michael had a bunch of big hits with Jackson 5. But Billie Jean is an iconic song. It absolutely is. Been covered by a lot of people. Chris Cornell's version of it is amazing. Uh, Michael, the king of pop. And I, I submit to you what we saw at the American Music Awards when he did the moonwalk for the first time is one of those iconic moments in, in American television history. All of a sudden, you, you go to school the next day, and it's like everybody has seen it. And it was such a big deal when he'd done it. We'd never seen anybody do it before. It was like on the national news. They would show the clip of Michael Moonwalking uh, at the American Music Awards and doing Billie Jean. It was just one of those moments. It's kind of like when the older generation saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show for the first time. It was that kind of moment. Like it, it changed things. It didn't just make Michael Jackson a superstar, but uh, it spawned a bunch of people to begin to take up dancing. Right, they're up here like you know what I want to learn to do that. So everybody like that was a big thing. You go to school or go to talent contest, and they would have a moonwalking contest because people were so incredibly inspired by that moment. Like you know what, I got to learn how to do that. That makes me cool. The next thing you know, people like Michael Jackson jackets are popping up all over the city. People run out buying that stuff. It changed things. It was a phenomenon unlike much anything else in my lifetime. It really was. So, again, we honor the music of the Michael Jackson, number one, Billie Jean. If you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out let us know. Best way to do that is to hit up Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. I have people that message me, too. I do my best to remember and screenshot send it to Roy uh, so we can kind of keep tabs. Uh, we've had a big rush of ideas here as of late, and they've all been a little bit newer, right? So they're, they're things that maybe aren't always repeats. Uh, but if you're looking for a list, when we have time, we can accommodate you and say, hey, Steve, what was this list? Uh, Roy can typically pull it up for you if I can't. But uh, we want to make sure that this is an interactive part of the, the show. So reach out let us know. When we've done, goodness, what, 400 of these now? It's crazy. And sometimes these lists change. You know, sometimes we have to update a list. You know, when people put out new music, because, yep, nope, 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 this changes my top ten. But it's your top ten, too. Appreciate your support of the top ten list. And as always, thanks to uh, CloseWithPlayer.com for sponsoring the top ten list. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. If you're not familiar with the merchandising there at Campus Bookmart, you should be. The best selection of Mississippi State merchandise anywhere. 
If you're looking to outfit your home, your patch, your RV, your office, uh, your Mississippi State room, they're going to have plenty of things to accommodate you there. A lot of decorative items there, a lot of cool stuff. But uh, the main reason I go there is for the clothing. I buy all my Mississippi State clothing from a Mississippi State retailer, and more times than not, it's Campus Bookmark. It is one of the things that uh, I can always count on to find exactly what I need for that hard-to-buy-for Bulldog fan in my life. But it's pretty easy. You know us Mississippi State folks are easy to please. Yeah, just get us some Mississippi State merch. Uh, that M over S sweatshirt that you've been thinking about, that hoodie, you're going to need that here in a few weeks as Bulldogs get ready to play baseball. Go ahead and take care of that. You and I both know some of your family disappointed you with their Christmas selections. Uh, rather than complain about it, just fix it yourself. Visit Campus Bookmart online at campusbookmart.net. And by being a lawyer, Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for beautiful Steve Robertson. Yeah, that's right. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than $75, absolutely incomplete. All right, tonight the Lady Bulldogs in action against the University of Florida. The Gators 10-6 and six overall, but 1-3 in the conference. Very much a winnable road game for us. We've got to find a way to go out there and get it done. Uh, Gators 5-2 and two at home, 2-4 and four away from the O'Connell Center. I guess technically 5-4, and four, counting the, th- the three neutral court games, but 2-4 and four in true road games. Uh, they opened up with a win over University of North Florida, 82-65, took down Bethune-Cookman and then Florida A&M. Their first drill test of the season was number 12, Florida State. They showed up and competed in that game but fell 79-75. Uh, they get Purdue down in the Bahamas, 52-49, then Columbia University, 83-81, two very competitive games. But they win the Baja Mar Hoops Pink Flamingo Championship. Yeah, yeah. The ACC SEC Challenge went the way of Florida as they had they went to Atlanta and beat Georgia Tech 68-58. They go to Marshall, lose that game 91-88. But you see these games are all very competitive, even the games they lose. They uh, they go to Tulsa and lose 72-64. They absolutely destroyed Gardner Webb 115-37. Very nice win in Charlotte in the Jumpman Invitational over the University of Michigan, 82-65. They take down Winthrop, 73-36, then lose to South Carolina, as many of us do, 89-66. They go on the road to play Vanderbilt, a much better Vanderbilt team than we've seen in recent years. They lose that game, 63-57. They then lose to Tennessee, 88-81. And this past Sunday, pick up a win, or excuse me, a week ago Sunday, 78-69. They didn't play this weekend. Neither did we. So we'll be down there looking to uh, play them for the first time uh, in a week. Uh, the Gators then head to Ole Miss on Thursday. So the Mississippi week for them could be a difficult week for them, as I think both State and Ole Miss should win those games. But, uh, listen, again, for those of you in the uh, greater Gainesville area, it would be great if you could turn out tonight. It's going to be a 7 p.m. tip local time, 6 p.m., here in uh, Mississippi, on Mississippi State time. Look inside the numbers here. Uh, this is a team, you know, not scoring a ton of points, but 77 points in women's basketball will win you a lot of games. Uh, shooting percentage has been decent, 44% as a team. Uh, from beyond the arc, they've been pretty good. 31%. Giving up around the same amount. Pretty good. Not great. 
but uh, certainly enough to keep you honest. Rebounding has not necessarily been a strength. 39.8 boards a game. They're allowing 38.3, so a 1.5 differential in rebounding margin. They're dishing out 12.4 assists a game, allowing just under 11, but uh, committing 14.7 turnovers while forcing 18.3. And some of that, too, you look at the quality competition uh, earlier in those games that you can see those stats are padded just a little bit there. Uh, Scoring 19 points a game off turnovers, allowing 15. Uh, 10 steals a game for the team, and then they're allowing seven, right at seven, 6.9. 51 blocks, not a ton. That's just 3.2 a game, allowing 42. So you look at the numbers, and it's commiserate with their record, right? They're they're not doing anything great. They're not getting dominated either. Uh, Aliyah Matharu, you know her, right? Remember her? You guys know her? I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. A 5'7 guard out of Washington, D.C., Bishop McNamara High School, was uh, part of our program, you know, for a couple years. And so we're going to have to make sure that we are mindful of her as uh, she has found a new home there in Florida and is playing right well for the Gators. You know, it'll also be an emotional game for her uh, playing her former team. But uh, averaging 18.4 points per game. That dog will hunt, right? Leilana Correa, 15.8 points a game. And then Rashea Kyle, 12.4. So three scores averaging double-digit figures. But uh, Kyle also pulling down 129 rebounds. To kind of put that in perspective, they have 636 as a team. She nearly has, you know, a little over 20% of their production. So Jessica Carter needs to play well in this ball game and stay out of foul trouble. Uh, going up against a young lady here that um, that uh, that does a pretty good job on the glass. Also 11 blocks to her credit. Uh, Faith Dutt, 17 blocks for her. And again, they only did got 51 as a team. There's 28 between two players. But yeah, we're gonna have to bring an effort. We're going to, we can't just show up and just go through the motions, but again, it's a very winnable game. But you got to, you know, you got to get out there and defend without fouling. You don't want to put this team on the free throw line. They're, they're shooting right around 70%. But uh, we need to make them score when the clock is running and not allow them to kind of, uh, you know, settle in. The defensive effort is going to be a big part of this, for sure. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But, uh, you know, you look at the, the three point shooting here. They got 321 attempts as a team. Uh, Aliyah Matharu, 104 of those attempts. So right out of the third, uh, Leilani with uh, 77. But uh, you know, the bulk of their scoring between their two leading scorers has come from beyond the arc. Now, Matharu is also very much a volume shooter. Of those 104 attempts, he's only made 27. So we got to do a good job on backside rebounding there. But, um, you know, again – it's never an easy night in the Southeastern Conference by any stretch of the imagination. You always have to show up ready to play. Now, looking around the league here, of course, uh, everybody else played uh, yesterday. Uh, Ole Miss with a 10-point win on the road at Georgia. That's always big. Missouri goes to Kentucky and falls by 5, 76-71. 
Vanderbilt gives Tennessee a great game. We played both of those teams. We know the caliber of teams they are. Tennessee wins at home 73-64. Auburn, huge win for Auburn. 78-65 winners over Alabama. 13-point win. Johnny Harris has had a couple big wins. You know, they, they took down LSU recently. South Carolina goes on the road and beats Texas A&M 99-64. Speak of the Tigers, 99-68 winners over Arkansas. Uh, so not a lot of like, huge upsets, but you're seeing some teams here, too, that are, uh, are doing a good job against their contemporaries. Uh, taking a quick look at the standings here, I don't know if you've kept up. Uh, you know, South Carolina remains undefeated, won 17 games in a row. And the scoring differential is just ridiculous. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And there's a lot of teams that score a lot of points. But South Carolina scores a lot. They don't give up much. They've scored 1,543 points as a team. They've allowed 886. That's nuts, man. Absolutely nuts. LSU is 5-1. Tennessee's 5-1. Vanderbilt 4-2. Kind of a, again, kind of a surprise there. Vanderbilt's 3-2. A&M 2-3. Mississippi State 2-3. Arkansas 2-3. Kentucky 2-3. Alabama 2-4. Auburn 2-4. And, and both of those two for Johnny Harris have been, have been, have been good ones. You win against LSU and you win the rivalry game. Those are the kind of things that curry favor with fan bases. Missouri two and four, Florida one and three, Georgia one and five. And again, just like on the men's side, you can't catch the teams ahead of you in the standings when you're losing to teams behind you in the standings. And that's the situation Mississippi State faces tonight against the Florida Gators. One and three in the conference, and again, just ten and six overall. You look at this. This should be a game Mississippi State should win, regardless of the fact that it's on the road. You've got to find a way to win these games because when you start breaking down the Mississippi State schedule, you understand you know, there really aren't any off nights uh, for your Bulldogs. you got to win when you got a chance, and uh, those road wins are often elusive. I think we all kind of see that for what it is, but uh, your Bulldogs now 15-5 and five overall, and 7-2. Uh, and two counting the neutral court games away from Humphrey Coliseum. So we won't be intimidated uh, rolling in there and having to go play that game uh, in, in what should be considered a hostile venue. We've been to, we've been to uh, South Carolina, got beat up there pretty good. Of course, you win at Arkansas, and again, that's a, that's a fan base that supports basketball on both the men's and the women's side. Uh, it's a big test here, especially with uh, the Monday night game, and then we're back next week on Monday, so only one game during this week, and then LSU comes to Starkville, 6 p.m. tip next Monday. And then we head to Kentucky. And again, another team kind of right there around us, and there's A&M, you know. And so you look at this stretch, just like the men's side, we talk about these little four-game quadrants here, right? Three of the next four for the Bulldogs. On the road, the one home game is LSU. Yeah, yeah, kind of like uh, on the men's side, the only home game is Auburn. So we're gonna. this is going to be a defining stretch in the season for the women. Again, we've been a good road team. We've been able to get out and go play well on the road. But uh, one of these deals here where we're going to have to get it done on the road here to kind of climb back in the top half of the standings and put ourselves in a position uh, to make the NCAA tournament. It's a paramount game. I mean, it really is. When you begin to break this thing down, and you begin to check it out. So, you know what? There's a lot of basketball left to play. It is. But we got to win some games. And that sounds like, you know, easy. But it's not. Not in this league. And, and you consider, you know, 
there's a lot of teams in this conference that uh, are capable of beating each other on any given night. But uh, most of our games down the stretch are going to be against our contemporaries. Once we get through LSU, the schedule begins to ease a little bit. And uh, you don't have LSU. You don't have South Carolina left after next Monday. And uh, we talked about the difficult stretch here with all these road games. But then the schedule flips for you, and you get Georgia and Florida and Starkville. You go to Ole Miss. We've already beaten them one time. You know that uh, the Bulldog fans need to turn out for that one. Kentucky comes here, Alabama. We go to Alabama, and we go to Auburn, and then Missouri comes here. And so you start thinking, once you get through this little difficult stretch here to close out uh, January and open up February, you ought to be in a position where the schedule really kind of lends itself more to you because you get some home games and the fact that you get some teams that uh, should be in the bottom half of the Southeastern Conference. So we've got to get hot now if we're going to be the team we expect to be. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Just Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Google is your friend, as is the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. If you're looking for, you know, maybe a guy retreat, maybe a girl's retreat, maybe you just want to get out and say, you know what, I'd love to come to the ball game, but that's not necessary. Starkville is a great place to be. You've got so many fond memories here. Maybe it's a midweek trip. Maybe you're like, you know, hey, we're, we're going to play hooky from work. And everybody take a couple days off, and we're just going to go up to Stark Vegas and enjoy some of our favorite restaurants, and we're just going to have a great time. Look no further than the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Five bedrooms, two baths, that great, incredible back porch. The fire pit area. You can look through their Facebook, see all the amenities that are available to you. Whether you Maybe you're bringing a work group to town. Maybe you are coming in for a ball game. And rather than go out and get five hotel rooms and go through all that laborious expense, just have everybody stay under one roof. What could be simpler than that? Go to Stark Vegas Clubhouse on Google. Book through the Evolve website. You can book through VRBO or through Airbnb if you want to. But we can save you some money if you book through the Evolve website by using promo code BSR10. That gets you 10% off your stay. What could be better than that? Have these communal areas where everybody can get together. You can go buy some groceries. You can stock the fridge with some adult beverages, maybe some water. I don't know what you want to do. It's your place. Not a lot of neighbors around, so you can kind of let your hair down a little bit. We don't want you getting too crazy. But the Stark Vegas Clubhouse could be exactly the spot you need to reconnect with friends or family or whatever you want. It'd be so great to have everybody together. But to break bread together, to recreate together, wake up together, whatever you want. Stark Vegas Clubhouse, book through the Evolve website, promo code BSR10. All right, let's talk a little bit about recruiting. We're going to talk some baseball on Wednesday show. Uh, but uh, Mississippi State picked up another commitment over the weekend, and I want to talk a little bit about what's happening with um, the way these uh, junior visits are working for State. We have uh, recapped a lot of them. You guys uh, may be familiar with us over at jeanspage.com. Uh, Rion Young doing a great job for us, kind of helping us stay on top of that kind of stuff. And uh, our guy Nathan Purvis doing a great job on the graphics, too, just kind of increases our social media pre- uh, presence. You know, we're out here trying to make a living like everybody else. We're trying to make a living, not make a killing. But, uh, yeah, we've talked to a lot of people and uh, picked up a commitment from Jeremiah McLeod over the weekend from Gadsden County High School in Havana, Florida. That's a town of Havana, not over in Alabama. Jeremiah McLeod has kind of quietly put together a really, really nice offer sheet in the early going. 
Has over a dozen offers already, including Arkansas, Cincinnati, Georgia Tech, for one, Illinois, Louisville, Maryland, Miami, Tennessee, USF. Great offer sheet. Visited Mississippi State for the first time this past weekend. Loved it so much. Got home and told his family, you know what, David Turner has put uh, Fletcher Cox and Chris Jones, those guys, in the league. I want to go there. I want to go to the league. I want to be developed by David Turner. Now, here's what I like about the commitment. Number one, this guy's 6'5", 285 pounds. This is a guy that can get after you. This is a prototypical power five defensive line body type. Nice length. This is a guy, too, that could bulk up, play inside. If you watch his film, and I did this morning, he does have the ability to play uh, with low pad level, you know, so he can play on the interior, not just get stood up and pushed out of the play. But he's also a guy that can be more of a traditional, like a five-tech, kind of like a Jaden Crumbly type player, more of a traditional defensive end. Maybe doesn't line up as a seven or a stand-up or anything like that. But uh, really good film and a really good offer sheet. And then one of the first things that I saw on Twitter, and I'm going to make somebody feel bad, um, like, oh, he's not even rated. Guys, He it's January of his junior year. I mean, there's only been a couple hundred players rated. You know, I mean, it's it's one of these things because of the fact that just because you don't know a guy doesn't mean he isn't a guy. There's a lot of guys out there. They're just kind of bubbling up. And, again, this is a guy that uh, made the Big Bend team. Uh, the Tallahassee Democrat, kind of like their Dandy Dozen deal, you know, their, their region. That's a very fertile recruiting region. Really anything on the I-10 corridor is going to be great. Now, this is about 30 miles northeast or northwest of Tallahassee. So you got to watch Florida State. Miami's trying to get him in uh, for an unofficial visit down there. Uh, so, yeah, th- this is a guy with a handful of Power 5 offers right out of the gate, prototypical size, good film, and right out of the gate we have somebody go ahead and crap on the commitment. Guys, that is not a Mississippi State problem. That is a U problem. But, Steve, he's not ranked. Well, so? Guys, we're 22 days into the new year. Not everybody's going to be ranked. Not to mention, it's so interesting. We get so caught up on that. It's like, if let's say that he was ranked four stars and he had half of the offers. Let's say he didn't have any other SEC offer other than Mississippi State. Well, then the conversation becomes, well, he's overrated. Look at his offer sheet. Now that he's not rated and we look at his offer sheet, we just completely ignore that. Yeah, but Steve, guys, can we have a little pride? Can we have some pride in our program? Can we not commend our coaches when we do a good job? I mean, it's like we've gotten so caught up on, hey, defensive recruiting isn't going well, and it isn't for the 2024 class. But then now all of a sudden we get our second defensive commitment for the 2025 class, which is uh, both players, very, very good players, and we're upset about that. So I don't get it. And one of the things that I've learned, too, and I want to tell you guys a little bit of a story. Um, I'm not going to mention the player's name because uh, I don't want to embarrass anybody. But I remember a kid that committed to another school that we recruit against regularly within our state. I'm going back 20 years here. I'm an old guy. I've been doing this a long time. And so when this kid committed, of course, this is in the infancy of Twitter and social media and things like that. I mean, you had things on Facebook. We even had MySpace back then. And so people would share things on those mediums. And uh, and so people got all fired up. It's like, hey, well, this kid committed. 
or who his offers? Well, he has offers from Memphis and Southern Miss. And so immediately people are like, hey, well, how good could he be? He only has Memphis and Southern Miss. And everybody's like, well, yeah, you know, it, it, it's early, right? It's a kid that we really wanted, we really liked, so we're going to take him early. Guys, by the end of the process, his profile page said he had offers from Alabama and Tennessee and Georgia, you know, because in the eyes of some people, it's not about who we get, it's who we beat. Now, this is another school. And so I was just curious because we get ready to rank these players, and I'm like, did I miss something on this kid? You know, did my bias in this thing that I think, well, since he's going to Ole Miss, then it can't be any good. And so I pull his tape up, and his tape is very pedestrian. Very pedestrian. I'm like, how did he get all these offers then? So I contact my friends that cover those schools. I said, hey, can you validate these offers? And, of course, those offers were non-existent. Somebody, and I'm sure you can guess, somebody decided, well, let's just doctor his profile up to make him look like a better prospect. And, of course, he didn't do anything at Ole Miss. I think ultimately he ended up transferring because he couldn't get on the field there. And so I share that to make sure that we kind of paint the edge on the narrative here in a positive way. Number one, offer sheets are difficult to validate. When a kid says he has an offer, the thing that I always go back to it's like if I see a kid that tweets out, hey, I got an offer from Mississippi State after a great conversation with Coach Tagged, Coach Jeff Levy, Tagged, Coach Chad Bumpus, I feel like there is some validity to this offer. Because if you're going to just misrepresent the offer, you're certainly not going to hurt your recruitment with that school and go out there and tag the coaches. That's one thing to just say, hey, I understand this. After a great conversation with Chad Bumpus, and Coach Jeff Labby, I've got an offer from Mississippi State. I think that makes good sense, right? There are some people out there, of course, that uh, you know work as third parties, you know these street agents and things like that. Now that they, now they're all working with NIL, uh, they want to go out there and misrepresent things. And let me give you an example of that. So I won't say who because I don't want to embarrass anybody. Sometimes I think to myself, it, it offends myself, my own sense of myself and my own sensibilities that I don't just go ahead and call names and things like that. I just don't want to deal with the drama. But uh, there was a particular person out there that was uh, basically acting on behalf of somebody's players as a street agent and said, uh, contacted me and said, hey, this kid's got an offer from Mississippi State to play quarterback. Well, I, I, I knew better. But I made some calls, and I found out that he didn't have an offer from Mississippi State. Then that same person later contacts an associate of mine and says, hey, uh, all these kids at the same high school in the Midwest have offers from Mississippi State. Can you put them on their profile? Well, that person then contacts me and says, hey, uh, is Mississippi State recruiting this particular area? I was like, no, I don't think so, but let me find out. Sure enough, no, we weren't. And so I ended up getting the guy on the phone. I'm like, hey, well, I'm just trying to get some juice for these kids. And so I just wanted to put out there that they had an offer from Mississippi State. I knew that they could not commit to Mississippi State. I just wanted that to be out there just because of the fact that maybe some other schools that aren't looking at them today will look at them because those are area recruiting coaches, before they go out in the spring, they go look and see, hey, well, who all is claiming offers? Well, they go to the old 247 sports database and say, okay, well, when I go to this high school, when I go to King High School in Chicago – I need to make sure I look at this kid and that kid and this kid because they're reporting SEC offers. That's the scam. 
And so it's important to understand those offers can't be validated. But I do think the fact that kids take the extra step to tag the coaches lends itself to some sense of credibility. And it's so funny, too, all these other people that say, well, we're able to verify these offers. Well, you know, they can't get it in writing. They, they begin their senior year. So how'd you validate it? I mean, you don't even have connections with the school you cover for the most part. You, you really think that you can pick up the phone and call Nick Saban or his staff? And come on. I mean, come on. Come on. I'm not buying that. The second thing that I'll say is when the offer sheet matches the tape, right? Now, just watch the tape. The film never lies. You know, self-reported 40s, lie. Self-reported heights and weights, lie. Offer sheets are often fabricated. Not always, but in some cases. You know what I'm saying. But the reality of it is, is you can't escape the tape. And so when it looks like, hey, this kid's got half a dozen SEC offers, when I turn the tape on, I expect to see an explosive player. When I look at Jeremiah, it's an explosive player. A very violent offender. Very disruptive player. And so now all of a sudden I think, okay, number one, he tagged the coaches when he got the offers. But secondly, his film makes me believe, you know, this is the guy. Now, what concerns me about the commitment this is an out-of-state player with no previous ties to Mississippi State. The film itself validates his talent. The offer sheet appears to corroborate that evaluation. But what happens if Florida State gets involved? Because really, when you take a commitment this early from out-of-state, it's a pretty dicey proposition. Because, in fact, when a spring evaluation period rolls along, every school that recruits that neck of the woods, every area recruiter that has the panhandle is going to go in there and check this kid out. And so in many respects, you kind of shine a light on it. Now, I don't think you can recruit scared. You know, Dan Mullen, when he was here, was always like, oh, no, don't do anything on these kids. Dan, it's my job, okay? But the reality of it is is you can't, you can't keep these kids a secret. You know, when Chris Jones was at Houston High School, there were two coaches in the spring evaluation period that went to Houston High School and watched Chris Jones practice. They were John Havasey from Mississippi State and James Scheibest from Memphis. Those are the only two that came through to see Chris Jones practice. He ultimately became the number two player in the country because a lot of people aren't committed to going and seeing these schools and building relationships. And, you know, one of the things that I like about talking to those coaches, I talk to our coaches around the state of Mississippi as often as I can, especially this time of year, because let's say, for an example, I get an email about a kid on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And to be honest with you, the coast doesn't produce power five prospects the way you should. I'm just going to just say it for what it is. It's true. A lot of new high schools, a lot of new uh, weight rooms, new football facilities in the last 20 years down there. But we don't always produce the way we should. And for that matter, neither does JPS. And they got a lot of restrictions there, a lot of challenges there that we don't necessarily have on the coast. But let's say, for an example, I get an email or a tip or whatever. Somebody says, hey, Steve, there's this kid at Ocean Springs. Well, number one, I know a lot of people at OS. And I can call and say, hey, what kind of person is he? What kind of player is he? Then you begin to do your own due diligence. The next thing that I do is I call some other coaches down there and say, hey, let me talk to you about some coaches, some players in your area. We're getting our list together and start evaluating some players. You know, what do you know about this kid at OS? 
And then the coaches will tell me, hey, we played him and he was a non-factor. Or this, or this coach will say, hey, well, we played him, we couldn't block him. Or this guy, we, we couldn't defend him. And so it helps to get a varying range of opinions. And so by the time the spring evaluation period is over, uh, Jeremiah McLeod is going to be promptly evaluated thoroughly by anybody that recruits the Panhandle of Florida. So he's going to add some offers, and we're going to have to compete against that. Now, can we? Absolutely, we can. But any time that we have a kid that doesn't have you know, a long-term relationship with us or a connection to us or a coach, you know, I'm always a little bit concerned. And I, don't, I won't use the word skeptical because we've taken some kids early in the past and they've stuck with us. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think this is one we're going to have to really work hard. But I think it's a very, very good get. And I don't want to offer all this, you know, quote, negativity. I'm just trying to prepare you. Because all of a sudden the guy pops up, you know, there in the Big Bend area of Pensacola or in the Panhandle of Florida. Now, now he's on everybody's radar. Maybe he wasn't before. And he said, but Steve, he already had, you know, Miami. He already had uh, Tennessee. He did. So he's not like he's an unknown guy. It's not like he's a Chris Jones that transferred from Nettleton High School as an offensive lineman after a sophomore year to Houston High School to be a defensive lineman. The staff at Houston did an amazing job with him. Chris did an amazing job there. And so I share that with you because I think it's important. Number one, I do think it's a great early get. I think that he is a guy that fits the Power Five. But I think it's also important to understand that uh, we're going to learn a whole lot more about Jeremiah McLeod in the next three months about, number one, how he feels about Mississippi State, but also, too, about his offer sheet. I expect his offer sheet to double between now and the end of the semester. Now, Jeremiah joins uh, two other commitments. Both have ties to Mississippi, one from Mississippi. Kamario Taylor, our quarterback, who I still think is undervalued as an 88. I think Kamario Taylor is a dude. I think he's a four-star guy. I think that he is a guy that as long as he is on the field, his team has a chance to win the football game. Knoxville County always has athletes to surround their quarterback with, but this is one of the better quarterbacks that Knoxville County has had, maybe in decades. I mean, that's just, maybe since Omar Connor. Maybe. Is it, would that be fair? Possibly. Kamario Taylor is an electric player. Uh, and he's a guy currently ranked as the number two quarterback in the state of Mississippi behind Deuce Knight. Uh, I, I, I like Kamario's athleticism a little bit more. Deuce may have a bigger arm, but I think Kamario is a guy uh, that is a nice building block for us. I mentioned earlier we had another defensive commitment that's been around for a little while and a guy with ties to Mississippi, A.J. Rice. Uh, most of his family's out from Crawford, Mississippi. He plays uh, football at Madison uh, Academy over Madison, Alabama. Had a tremendous year. Currently ranked in 87. And again, look at the tape. Look at the tape. This is a kid that can get out of this, and he will hurt you. A.J. Rice will change your all for you. This is a kid that has no aversion to contact whatsoever. He has what we like to call in the industry contact courage. A lot of guys out there look good in the uniform. This is a guy that understands the physicality as part of the game. Uh, a little bit raw in his development, but uh, a lot of natural ability with him. He will get downhill on you in a hurry. And if you look at his film over the course of the season, you saw his tackling form got better and better and better and better. Uh, so I like to take. And so three commitments early for the 2025 class from Mississippi State. We're currently ranked 32nd in the country in that class, and, of course, McLeod hasn't been evaluated yet. 
So you're not getting any points for him. But I love what we're doing early. In the last few minutes we have together, uh, this, in many respects, is kind of reminiscent to our recurring heyday under Dan Mullen. We're utilizing the basketball weekends to get guys on campus. We get them in. We have a chance to sit, visit with them, give them the, the, the big tour, let them get their pictures made, let them go to the basketball game, kind of understand the uh, college atmosphere. But it's also a little more conversational, right? So our coaches are sitting with the players, kind of answering their questions, uh, laying some groundwork for, for bigger and better relationships down the stretch. And it's worked out good for State because of the fact all of a sudden we're playing pretty good basketball, so we've got a crowd here. It's not like we're bringing those kids in there to a half-empty arena. They're having a chance to see some of the best of the Mississippi State fan base, to see the passion that we have for this university and our athletics programs. And so it's worked out really well from a scheduling standpoint. It's like, yeah, we got to get kids on campus, but we've got to have some things for them to do. How do we kind of, you know, set things apart? But it's not just about activity. It's not just about a photo shoot. And all that's great. And one of the best things about it, too, is the very first thing that most of these kids do, they get their pictures, and then they go share them on social media. So the Mississippi State brand is being advertised. Now, a lot of other people do that, but I, I think we've done a really good job in the early going, especially with our in-state prospects of making them feel valued. But the number one thing that I hear from players is how much they love your coaches. It's like, hey, I had a chance to sit down with Cody Kennedy. He's an outstanding guy. I really like him. Hey, sat down with Matt Barnes. Really enjoy talking ball with him. Hey, and Jeff Levy is that dude. Do I need to even say anything about Chad Bumpus, right? You guys know what a fan I am of Chad Bumpus. You know how hard that guy works. You know how much he wants to be here. You know he knows how to sell the Mississippi State message. But that's the biggest takeaway. You know, two weeks into this thing now, you know, with these juniors, they're beginning to find a sense of connection. And you go back and look, you think about Bump, right? J.J. Harrell and Stonka Burnside are here because of Chad Bumpus and because of the relationship that he built with them in the early months of their recruitment. And a lot of it, too, is not just this big cattle call junior day where Bumpus is walking around with 50 kids, right? I mean, the kids come in, Chad dabs them up, sits down with them, ask them about their family, their parents, and you know you know how polished Chad is, right? And then Chad begins to maintain a relationship keeping up with these kids. And so when there was a coaching change, even though we lost Stonka for a little while, there really wasn't much doubt about getting him back. But J.J. Harrell remained true maroon to Mississippi State. It says a lot about him, says a lot about Chad Bumpus. And then J.J. Harrell became the, the de facto alpha dog in this class kind of keeping up with everybody, doing his part. And there, there will be a time that we need a commitment to be our champion because you're going to have all these people that are going to, you know, like last year we had a coaching change. You know, the year before, we lose Coach Mike Leach, and, you know, what does Chris Parson do? Comes out and says, hey, we're going to be the last signing class that Coach Mike Leach ever had. We've got to stick together. So you, you, you need that dynamic leader to step up. We wouldn't have had that this past 
three months had Chad Bumpus not done what he was supposed to do in the early stages of recruitment. I, I think the work that we're doing now is better than the work we were doing a year ago, which I think speaks well for Jeff Lebby and the staff. And I like how Jeff Lebby is so engaging and so involved with recruiting. You know, I don't need my head coach to be the best recruiter on staff, but he's got to be approachable. He's got to be connected with these kids. You know, Joe, and, and I think a lot of Joe Moray, I think Joe might have been too connected. I think Joe micromanaged the recruiting process and like he wanted to be the dominant personality in their recruitment, but not necessarily the recruiting coach. I'm not being negative about Joe. But I think Joe may have been too involved with these kids, and at times we couldn't be objective when we needed to drop a kid. The flip side of that is Mike Leach. Love coach. We'll always love coach, and we'll always look at these few years that I had a chance to spend with him as um, some of the greatest years of my career. I had somebody just Saturday night tell me, I would love to have seen what happened if you and Mike Leach had been able to uh, maintain a professional relationship in the years ahead. You know, we were talking about writing a book, right? But listen, Coach enjoyed recruiting, but he kind of enjoyed the supervisory role. Like, Coach wanted to kind of like let his guys do their job, and then you bring him in to close. Now, of course, there were always some players he needed to contact with and stay in touch with. He did that. But in many respects, Coach Leach was a little bit far removed from my comfort level. Of course, he's a veteran guy. He's been doing this forever and a day. There's a little burnout in all of us. But I think Jeff Lebby, number one, has the offense and can talk in a language that excites young people. But I think he also, too, is maybe not the micromanager that Joe is. And again, I'm not being critical of anybody. I'm just th- I'm. I believe, based on my early observations in the first, uh, you know, six weeks, has it really been that long, or that, you know, seven weeks? I think Jeff Labby has a really good idea, balance-wise, of how he wants to handle this. How involved does he need to be? Well, he's got to be available, right? But it doesn't need to be a situation where, you know, he's not coaching the team. That's to the detriment of the team, right? you got to recruit every day. And Jeff obviously did a great job uh, recruiting you know, at Ole Miss, Oklahoma, Central Florida. He knows what he needs to make the train go, right? But uh, it's been impressive so far. I know a lot of people think, hey, we need early commitments. You know, I agree. I think we need some juice in-state. I'd like to see a big, a big domino fall early. You know, maybe Tyler Lockhart. I don't think that's going to drag out. I don't think it's going to happen right away. But uh, I think Tyler Lockhart, because of his relationship with his brother TJ and Fred, it's going to be very difficult for people to beat Mississippi State. Be very, very, very difficult to beat Mississippi State. Now, Caleb Cunningham is a guy that uh, maybe a year ago people thought, hey, I don't give State much of a chance. And then you see the fact, number one, Chad Bumpus is like, oh, yeah, whatever. The very first uh, junior visit that Jeff Levy made was to, to Caleb Cunningham. And now you got Stonka Burnside and you got J.J. Harrell, who have become very close with Caleb, saying, let's go, little brother. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. you got a chance to take top offensive and top defensive players in the state of Mississippi fairly early in this process. I'm not forecasting it's going to happen this month or anything like that. But I won't be the least bit surprised if we go into the summer camps and we've already got a really solid group of in-state commitments already put together. I'm not going to sit here and make these calls. It's going to be the big maroon tidal wave or anything like that. Or Mississippi State's going to dominate in-state recruiting because, you know, Ole Miss is going to get their share, right? But the early stages of the recruiting process, 
under Jeff Levy have been very, very positive so far. And uh, I'm, I'm a guy that's been covering recruiting for over 20 years. I'm not new to this. I'm not a converted newspaper guy or anything like that. That uh, you know, now there's a lot of people in our industry now that uh, former newspaper people that never really covered recruiting, never fully understood you know, how the process worked because they only had to do it during you know in the weeks after Thanksgiving and lead an international signing day. And more times than not, they didn't even cover it then. And so there's a lot of people now that are, you know, making forecasts and things about recruiting. They're still learning too. I'm still learning. But I've been doing this for a long time. And I can tell you, I feel good about the direction of things. Can't really put my finger on it and say, you know what, hey, this is one of the things that we're doing exceptionally well. But one thing that I can tell you is that I think this new staff has come in and it's began to uh, make some pretty solid connections early on. Hey, if you haven't done so, go to winthebottomfalls.com, and you can order the newest book, When the Bottom Falls. And, of course, um, all my sports titles are there as well. Uh, be sure and get those. Anything ordered through the website is signed, too. I get that question a lot. It will be signed if you order through the website. So that's When the Bottom Falls. It's Alpha Dog. It's Stark Villains. It's Flim Flam. It's Dog Pile. Signed copies available through the same link at winthebottomfalls.com. If you need Stark Villains gear, you can find it at starkvillains.com. It's always cool to see those uh, Stark Villains hoodies out and about on game day. It means a lot to me. Appreciate that very much. And come be a part of our Merry Band of Misfits over jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.